Hey everyone, it's Nicole and Megan. Megan is back and tonight we are going to talk about Megan's experience and a little bit of mine um, with uh, Workaholics Anonymous. Woo. So Megan, why don't we do it where you kind of, have you ever done a pitch at WA? No, not in WA context. Okay. Well, how about we start with, um, well, what do you want to start? We could start with kind of like what led you to WA, or we could start with just explaining what WA is. So, um, yeah, let's start with what led me to WA. Okay. That might be helpful. So, yeah. um, let's see, I will just qualify by saying I, I'm got a little bit over a year in WA. So I consider my, I'm still a baby. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot to learn. Um, what got me to WA was a couple of different factors. Uh, one, it was, I think my fifth 12 step program. So I am, I am lucky enough that the bottom had come up for me a little yeah. bit. I was not at a, a complete and utter, um, place of, you know, demoralization and desperation when I came into WA. And there were a couple of different things. Um, one, I was working an ACA laundry list. I was doing an ACA laundry list workbook study group. And the first laundry list trait is um, we are terrified of people in authority figures. And I wish I had it in front of me, but that's essentially the first laundry list trait. And I was doing writing around it. And it occurred to me that um, I, authority figures love me. Well, why do they love me? Because I jumped through hoops and I'm a crazy workaholic to appease the authority figure <laughs> in my life. And I exhaust myself doing that. And um, I kind of realized that I needed, I was like sort of trying to address <clears throat> my work addiction. Um, in like the people programs and CODA and Al-Anon and stuff. And it wasn't helping really. Um, and that I needed the more specific tools of WA. And then the second thing that happened is I started having some like chronic shoulder problems, which I'm still having um, from sitting at my desk for long periods of time and being stressed out. And then I was also having chronic migraines. Mm -hmm. And um, I had the insane thought when, uh, when I was coming down with a migraine that I had to wake up early so that I could do all of my work. And I really want this migraine to pass so I can just wake up early and do the work. Um, and I had that moment of clarity that was, oh my God, that's totally insane. And I need to go to talking. <laughs> and so that was kind of the, the nexus of it for me. How did you me. even hear about WA? Um, from our fellow river. Ah. And, well, no, that's not true. I had a friend who dragged me to a WA meeting in 2015 in San Francisco. And I just, I related to a lot of it, but I actually don't really remember anything about it. And I, I, the, the challenge with workaholism is there are two diseases that I can think of that are, are really rewarded by society. One is anorexia. The other one is workaholism. And at that point, and still, I get a lot from my workaholism and I just was not ready um, to look at it. So right. that, I think that's when I had heard about it. And then um, 
our friend and fellow River talked uh, just about her experience in it one time when we met up and I was like, wow, I really, really need that. So, yeah. And then what happened? Um, did well, you go to a meeting right away or did you do that whole like, oh, I should go and yeah, or I think it was River talking about it. And one thing that she said that was interesting was um, that in, in OA, we track our food and in WA, you track your time and you, it's similar in that you real, realize that you are powerless over your time and time management. And I was like, oh, I, I understand that. And then I think I actually started just before I even went to a meeting, I just started tracking my time and how much time I was spending on work. And um, I realized that I had a client where I was contracted and being paid to work for 20 hours a week for this client. And I was working double that and not being paid for that time. Oh, wow. And that, that was a moment of like, oh, wow, I really am insane. And it's the whole like, yeah, like appeasing authority figures of like, I'm going to overwork and exhaust myself and not, not get paid for the time that I'm spending on this rather than set boundaries um, around my work. I would think that it would also sort of create this false impression because the client's thinking that you're doing all this work in 20 hours. Yes, that I, so yeah, it's like, I look, I look like a superhero. And I want to be, uh, which is part of my like ACA CODA stuff is like, I really want to be a superhero. I want to do things better and faster than everyone else. And I, I, I often, this is good for me to talk about, won't um, be honest about how much time I'm actually putting into something. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like going to your first meeting yeah I think my first well, meeting first, oh, first meeting not the first first one but the the but the first one when I real I when I was ready to be yeah. there um I'm I think the first meeting that I went to was there's a Sunday meeting um in everything is on zoom now and I guess the other important thing to know about WA is that it's an extraordinarily small fellowship it's mm -hmm. like maybe a couple thousand people in the entire world. And so the meetings are usually pretty small. Um, but I found a meeting that was on Zoom, but in, in Santa Cruz and had a, a lot of just experience, strength and hope for, from people that like worked in tech. And that was really helpful for me because I um, work in tech and there was one person that, um, you, you know, people don't totally talk about what their jobs are because it's an outside issue, but I could kind of tell that he worked at like, you know, one of the big right. companies. And he, he mentioned that he just, uh, at, at five o'clock every day, he just signs out of his email and signs out of his chat stuff and doesn't see when people are trying to ping him after hours. And he's been doing that for 20 years and that's what works for him. And um, I was just, impressed by that of like wow if you if you just sign out of your your apps um then you don't see it and don't feel the impulse to respond and the fact that he uh, you know from getting to know this person I could tell that he I think had made it pretty high up but, and like had been in WA for 20 years and could 
could have the boundaries and tools of WA and still be successful at work um, was helpful to me. So what was, what's something like in terms of reading the book? Well, it has a book. I know it has a book because yeah. I bought it a long time ago. Yep. And yep. Uh, which so is called, and, yeah, folks, the Workaholics Anonymous Book of Recovery. Yeah. Um, and I got it uh, because our friend River was having trouble. And, you know, I try to um, educate myself. I'm pretty sure, no, I had it and then didn't really read it and then picked it up and kind of glanced through it because River was talking about it. Um, and then uh, you started talking about it. I read a little bit in, in it and I, you know, to be honest, if I had read this uh, before I got sick, I would definitely be like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, I think like someone mentioned it because at the, I remember posting the signs of work addiction or workaholism at the law firm and putting it in the break room. And I think huh. somewhere in there, I was like, oh my God, there's another 12-step program I uh, um, can qualify for. But then again, getting sick, that totally changed. I couldn't, I couldn't overwork anymore. So that was sort of a forced recovery you know, but I definitely yeah. relate to the, especially in the legal industry, working more hours than I was sort of indicating I was working in order to be like the superstar. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think in, in tech and in San Francisco, sort of where I, I grew up or, you know, um, developed my career. And then I, I obviously live in Portland now, but I work for a, a Silicon based, uh, Silicon Valley based company. Like workaholism is just the default. Like it is expected um, that you will work extra hours. And um, I remember, so my partner and I um, were back in San Francisco a couple of Christmases ago and we were getting breakfast at a restaurant and there were two, I think 22 year olds sitting uh, right next to us at a restaurant with their college sweatshirts on. And one of the girls said, um, well, you know, if you're just not willing to work on Christmas, then we were going to fire you. I mean, we're building a billion dollar company here. So I don't understand why this other woman can't work on Christmas. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. And my partner and I are, are both like better <laughs> of the bat. And it's like, that is the myth that they tell you that every startup will tell you that we're building a billion dollar company so that you will give up your Christmas, your weekends, not, not to mention all of, you know, all of your money because it's so expensive to live there. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to like shake her and be like, don't yeah. save yourself. Yeah. Um, but of course you, you know, can't do that. So yeah. anyway, that is the culture of Silicon Valley. Wow. <laughs> so Yeah. So where are you at in your step work? What's your, so it's been a year. And so yeah. again, like if we were to pretend that you went to a meeting today, you mentioned yeah. like if you were to do a pitch, what would you do in terms of like my first year in WA? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the, the thing that has been helpful for me is having um, just having some bottom lines, like some basic, um, 
boundaries for where I know that I am traveling into my workaholism. And then the other thing is that I feel like workaholism is for some reason, it feels even more insidious than the food. It's like today I felt really like amped up and kind of stressed out and like in a kind of workaholic place. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that I'm going into like this kind of workaholic phase, but I'm, I'm staying within the boundaries of how I've defined my abstinence in WA. So, you know, I'm like, all right, that's fine. So my abstinence in WA is no working after dinner, no working on the weekends and doing at least five minutes of PT every day, which is surprisingly difficult (laughs) for me to do. Um, but that's basically it. And then my, my top line, which is more sort of more of like an aspiration Mm -hmm. is I would like to be able to see, say, give me 24 hours to think about this before I say yes to new projects. I would like to be able to say no (laughs) projects. And for, for some reason I was able to do that more for a while. And then now I'm in this place where I know I'm going to be super overloaded with work pretty soon, but. So it's really interesting because it sounds so similar to Al-Anon in terms of you know, the control, wanting to control. And then also in Al-Anon, there's the slogan, like the 24 hour rule. I don't know if it's an official slogan, but basically it's the don't just do something, sit there, you know, and sort of, you know, the 24 hour rule for people who don't know, because again, I don't know if it's an official slogan or just urban legend or not legend, it's a thing which is, you know, to not make any major decisions and, and give yourself 24 hours because Al-Anon's, we can get very reactive and we want to, you know, our, as I say, our cape is twitching and we want to play the hero. So I'm just hearing a lot of crossover. So. Yeah. I mean, I can, can say that there are a lot of Al-Anon's in WA and Um, I think for most, I'd say for 95% of the people I know in WA, it is not their first program. Like they have come from AA or Al-Anon or somewhere else. And so it's, it's got a lot of influences from Al-Anon, AA, um, OA too. So, well, also it just makes me think of, um, with the ACA and the Al-Anon is, you know, appeasing authority figures, the overachieving, um, also the getting, uh, the disassociating by getting out of yourself into, in Al-Anon, it's into someone else. But in WA, it seems like into something else. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, both a substance and a process addiction. So the word I learned in WA is adrenalizing, which I do often mm-hmm. of, you know, pumping up my adrenaline by being overscheduled or, you know, being, having to be on in meetings. Um, and then the, the process addiction is, is overdoing. So it's a combination of a substance and process addiction. And yeah, it's similar to ACA with the idea of like the internal yeah. drugstore yeah. and there actually is a, a section in the WA book that talks about how workaholics use food 
to either amp themselves up or moderate and come yeah. down. Like, yeah, yeah which is really interesting. It's like, yeah. Wow. So, that is yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. You know, so what else? Do you um, maybe I can share. So I have the, the reading pulled up from my Friday meeting and maybe I can just share like some of the tools that are oh, yeah, that'd be um, really helpful to me. So um, let me see. There are like, there's like 15 tools, so I'm not going to read them all, but mm -hmm. I can just read um, a couple of the ones that are really helpful to me. So one is under scheduling. Uh, we learn more time than we think we need for a task or trip, allowing comfortable margins to accommodate the unexpected. Um, and how that applies to my work is I do a lot of project-based work as a consultant. And what I have realized is that my perception of time is skewed uh, and I just as I have body dysmorphia and have no idea what my body looks like I have no idea like how much time it actually takes to do, yeah. to do stuff and so what I have realized is I actually have and I don't always have the willingness to do this but I actually have to be under scheduled in order to work a 40-hour regular work week, otherwise I'm gonna be overloaded. So that has been helpful. Um, the other one that is really helpful well, wait, for me. Before, we, before oh. we go on, when you were when we're talking about the under schedule, again, the, the parallels to ACOA is, um, I don't know where in ACOA, but it's different, but it's similar in the whole over scheduling, but it's the setup to fail. So, you know, an example, one of the speakers that I heard um, talked about, you know, and what does that look like? Well, it looks like that you've got 10 minutes. And so you think, you honestly think that you have enough time to squeeze in one more task. Because again, your concept of time is where, and so you do, and now you're late. And now you yeah. go into a shame spiral and now you're, you know, hating yourself as you're rushing now to do whatever right. it was you were doing. Yeah. And the other way that that relates or very similar is the creating chaos, right? Yes, so like, exactly. I'm going to overschedule myself so that I'm super stressed out and mm -hmm. adrenalized and, you know, things are chaotic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. One Al-Anon saying that I, that people have said in WA meetings that I love is there are no emergencies. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's just, ne there's never a reason to have an emergency. And that, that is um, helpful for me yeah. in my recovery. So, yeah. All right. What's the next? Uh, the next one is pacing. Ooh, we work at a, yeah. So we work at a comfortable pace before we get tired to remind ourselves, we check our level of energy before proceeding to the next activity. We do not get wound up in our work so we don't have to unwind. Um, oh, wow. That, yeah, that was something I, I think I heard at my first meeting and I was like, wow, <laughs> I didn't know that you could just not get wound up in your yeah. work. <laughs> like, I didn't know. And I think that's another reason why I came into WA was that I just was always really stressed out and really obsessed with work for for years and never it never really seemed to not 
seem like a crisis to me. Right. Like I just was always stressed out um, by it. So yeah, that is this, a great. Yeah, this one makes me think of um, how, you know, in a disconnected, spiritually disconnected, uh, dissociated state, you could think of like five things that you need to do. And it's actually, and you, you decide to do those five things with no consideration of how you feel, what you have available to you, nothing. And, and it's kind of like, if, if you finish the third thing and you're exhausted, it's like too bad. You know what I mean? Like, because you've decided you need to do these five things at no point did you sort of go like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and then see how I feel your feet. I guess what I'm saying is your feelings are completely, it's all executive functioning. There's no emotional body yeah. happening at all. Yeah. And it's funny at the, at my regular, uh, WA home meeting, we do a physical, emotional, and spiritual check-in. And there is no mental check-in. Like you don't say <laughs> you're feeling mentally because that's what workaholics yeah. do is like, I have no idea how I'm yeah. feeling in my body. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. The hyper-executive functioning. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. Uh, the last one I'll share, uh, which I find super interesting is WA's definition of relaxing. Oh, okay. So the definition of relaxing in WA is we do not yield to pressure from others or attempt to pressure others. We remain alert to the people and situations that trigger feelings of pressure in us. We become aware of our own actions, words, body sensations, and feelings that tell us that we are responding to pressure. When we feel energy building up, we stop, we reconnect with our higher power and others around us. Okay. Can you unpack that? Cause that's a really long passage, you know, so go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, this one is really interesting to me to be aware of when I am feeling pressure. And sometimes it is a, a direct signal from some external authority figure that is telling me that they're not happy with my work and I better do better essentially. Mm -hmm. But most of the time it's that I am feeling internal pressure to get something done um, and putting pressure on myself and possibly other people, um, which I, you know, I used to do all the time. Now I'm more aware of it to try to like manipulate people past, manipulate myself past my own boundaries. And then sometimes manipulate other people past their own boundaries as well. Wow. That's great. So what's the recovery look like there? How could you, do you catch yourself in it or what? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's paying more attention to my boundaries and I, and I wish I could remember. So I remember the one like workaholic relapse that I had, which was sometimes over the summer where I opened up my laptop after dinner because I had a male authority figure who was a client who was saying that he, he needed to something about like proving the value of our work and that I better get this thing done for him so that he could like prove the value of the work, even though it wasn't, it was on a much faster timeline than what was, what was agreed to in the contract. And that was like a manipulation of pressure that I was responding to. Oh, right. Um, 
and feeling like, oh, I better, I better react. I better make this person happy. And um, obviously looking at it now, I can see like, wow, I like relapsed. Yeah, <laughs> right. I didn't need to do that. Like it right. didn't really matter. Like, um, and I am more aware of some, like something that I think I've, in the time that I've been in WA, I put pressure on someone one time to finish something. And she actually is great with this, my colleague who has great boundaries and was like, oh yeah, I'm just not available to do that. <laughs> and I was like, is there any way that you could take a look at this? And then I, I like apologized the next day because I was like, oh, I'm pressuring her and pushing on her boundaries to try to get what I right. want, but it's not her problem that I, you know, yeah. um, so just being really, especially for with people with less power than me in the organization right. that I work for to be really careful about, um, about doing that. And that you can actually like still get things done, even right. if you're not using uh, pressure and manipulation to, to do that. So. So if you're open to it, I also was really struck in this last year around uh, that more awareness about your relationship with your partner and your partner sort of having now a name for and saying your work addiction. Like, so yep. can you sort of- Oh, that was another reason why I came into WA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so can we talk about- not happy because, with me. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, even for me hearing it, it's like, oh, of course it would affect your, you know what I mean? But I didn't even think of it because again, yeah. like you said, this is probably one of the smallest programs that we have and it's so accepted by the culture, right? Especially if in, you're in certain industries that yeah. no one has a right to even name it. Right. Yeah. Or it's, it's worn as a badge of honor. Like look at yes. how many you know hours I work. Yeah. That was another thing is it was impacting my relationship. And I remember um, uh, there was like a snow day or something here last year where, um, and it was beautiful outside. And my partner pulled me onto the couch and was like, let's just like sit and look at the snow for a couple minutes. And I could not stop thinking about all of the things I had to do for work. And I was totally distracted and totally not present in that moment. And then he was like, what are you thinking about? And I was like, I am stressed out about, <laughs> about work. And I can't, I cannot be present um, in this moment. And yeah, the, the way that he reacts to my workaholism is like something that I have familiarity with having, you know, dated people with addictions as well. Like it's exactly the same sort of worry and stuff but then yeah I mean he also probably needs to go I was about to say like you know what I yeah mean? know that you know yeah. not to throw him under the bus but it's like right no you know, he has said he needs to go to like we are we are both um you know escaping yeah. our lives. like having binge buddies you uh, know what I mean where yeah it's like it's really totally. when you're both binge buddies it's great but then right. someone's like I want to get into recovery it's like oh wow yeah, I think, and I have called him out on that because sometimes it does feel like there's a double standard, like that the things that trigger him, like he is also doing something. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. this is not 
let me please have my addiction here. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? So, um, and just so our, our listeners know, there is also a working on um, very small fellowship. There's like one or two meetings. I think if you Google working on, it would, it would come wow. up. Yeah. Um, and they're at the WA conference this year, they had some working on meetings and they basically have adopted and adapted literature from Al-Anon. And I remember the speaker was talking about her workaholic husband and it really clicked for me of like, wow, her husband is like at, if not, as unavailable, if not more unavailable than like an active Right. alcoholic like a very yeah. active alcoholic and and just yeah how detrimental it can be um to relationships so. well and this goes back to you know what we've talked about before i don't know exactly what podcast which is basically i'm powerless over the impulse to escape the present moment so yeah. again i think like you know at one point and this was years ago so god knows who now like i i went to a 12 step meeting. And it was my seventh program. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And that was before I realized they were all branches of the same tree. So for me, I felt like I was more damaged, right? I was like, oh my God, how fucked up am I? And then through doing deeper work in ACOA, I was like, oh, these are all oh, okay, it's actually just all one thing in just different arenas. Like, you know, yeah. how alcoholism plays itself out in the kitchen. Oh, that's my food addiction. Oh, at work, that's my work addiction. You know, all of these different things. Um, and, oh, I lost my train of thought. Fuck, sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I mean, this is a little bit outside of 12 step, but yeah, I mean, addicts oh, in the present moment okay yeah go ahead yeah um addicts and traumatized people have overactive default mode networks and work is an excellent way the focus on one thing is an excellent way to quiet your default <laughs> network which is the part of yourself that's always future past I think, I think that would probably then apply to the gaming I mean I don't yeah. game but it's the same thing right like yeah or um any process talking. addiction probably yeah, yeah exactly it's like how do i just it's and that's why eventually for me i i i came up with that i'm powerless over the impulse to escape the present moment because i realized like oh i could use anything you know what i mean i mean i went yeah. through a week where i played solitaire like crazy you know what i mean i remember like in the 2000 early 2000s or something it was just I was trying to stay abstinent and I spent hours playing solitaire I mean it was just mm -hmm. I mean computer solitaire yeah I've and read like 26 books in the last two months so exactly <laughs> exactly you know what I mean yeah. like yeah okay and uh and so that's why I'm like I like that we're also talking around like the sort of we work our programs in the order that they kill us, you know, and it's and harm reduction is really important. So, for example, my friend was over last night 
And she was joking about, or she was trying to tell me like, no, I, we, we were talking about tea, you know what I mean? And flavorful tea. And she's like, no, I, I drink all day long. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, no, no, no. Like I am constantly drinking. And I was like, Krista, so am I, we're both ex smokers. Like, it's like, yeah. I, and I'm, I'm like, I'm like, I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm constantly drinking and not water, by the way, not, no, not water, right. you know, something flavored. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm fine with it. You know, it's not yeah. taking me out of my relationships. It's not taking me out of, you know, being in my body. It's not, I'm like, yeah, it's just whatever it is. So, so what are you, you're working the steps in? Yes. So do you have a WA sponsor? Yeah. No. no. So do you want to? <laughs> I, I'm going to turn over my step forward. No, that's too, fine. So. That's fine. But yeah. you have, you, you know, yeah. and that makes sense. I mean, I worked a program and I was like, I'm not going to get another sponsor. I just right. my sponsor at the time, but you yeah. have river that you can call and talk to about, you know, yeah. the fellowship piece of being in WA. Yeah. I mean, the steps, the way, because WA again, it, is I think it's sort of an interdisciplinary program. Like the steps are basically essentially taken fully from the big book and they even are, so I'm on step four and I'm in a step study group. Yeah. And the next part of step four is the sex inventory. <laughs> and I'm like, why are we doing this? It's so yeah. Cool. Like, okay. And yeah, you can I mean, just pull out your old notebook yeah. and just be like, yeah. So I'm like, I, I probably share um, from my old, my yeah. old one I've been yeah. in a I don't have a lot of additions <laughs> to that one recently yeah. but um yeah I, so that yeah. yeah I also wanted to add that um you know the positive influence that you've had because when you I know that when you mentioned your bottom line behavior on one of our group chats that that was um you know influential for other people I know that uh for me, it's reinforced, like I didn't even really think about it, um, that I shut down my computer um, on Friday night, like, you know, Friday at five, I shut it down. And I used to go into work on the weekends, not that long ago, you know, yeah. and so having these like, oh, bottom line behaviors, I think it was, you know, one of our fellows, I don't think she'd care, you know, when you talked about you don't work after dinner, you know, that was like, oh, a big, like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And and it's interesting because in some ways you're both, um, I don't know, entrepreneurs, but you're both sort of self, I don't know, scheduled, self whatever. Like, you know, you have, she has her own clients and whatever and stuff like that. So again. Yeah, I think that that is another, like I work as a consultant and they're, there is that thing about like the, it's like a, a gift and a curse of having like a flexible work schedule where you could conceivably work at any time. But then for a long time, like before I came into this program, I would feel then like, oh, I should be working. Or if I'm not doing something out, like I sh there could be things that I'm doing right now. And I have found that allowing myself to like really take breaks and really unplug um, actually like I need, like my brain needs those breaks where I'm just completely not thinking about work uh, to come back and be refreshed. 
So I just want to add before we, you know, sort of wrap this up that, and I've talked to you before about this, Megan, which is that my boss is a, a real workaholic and, um, and I've had to work my Al-Anon program a lot because she will, she's very driven she's very she works night she works weekend now here's the thing that she doesn't recognize is that she gets stressed out it's like every day you know and and she's not very accessible you know because she's always like task oriented task mode so connecting with her on a human level is like no because everything is just about the next thing and and how she's exhausted and you know it's three o'clock and she hasn't eaten and she's hypoglycemic you know what i mean it's just like okay and i have to just let it go you know and that's and that's really challenging to really care about someone and to and to want to be able to say well then you know fucking eat something and not at 3 p.m you know what i mean or right especially as a compulsive overeater where we like most of us have to eat a very well the other thing is is wanting to say you're affecting me mm -hmm. you know what i mean like it is very hard to work with you when the feeling that I have is that you're just really anxious to get off the phone where I need whatever. And also you get kind of short and I'm not supposed to take that personally. I know not to take it personally, but it's hard mm -hmm. to be in relationship with someone like that. So, you know, so as a, what do you call W-A-Anon? Working on. <laughs> Working on as a working on, you know, um, it, it is really, it's hard. Yeah, there is, I think it's in the characteristics of recovery. It, there is some, one of the characteristics of recovery is something like we listen to people and respond to what they're saying rather than just talking about work. Like that is a characteristic of recovery because yeah, workaholics. And, and I will say, I don't think I'm, quite as bad as your boss, but yeah. I am not a fan of chit chat on work calls. Like I will, I am here to get work done. I don't care what you did this weekend. Like, yeah. um, which I know is not. Right. Not but great. the thing is, is that it's like, I'm her co-pilot. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. Work wife. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm exact. That's exactly. I'm the work wife. Right. And it's like, yeah. and I mean, like first thing in the morning calling no good morning nothing yeah just no, that would be yeah that would be challenging for right. me too and i'm trying to think if i have worked for that specific style of boss i mean i've definitely worked with clients where they're emailing me at all hours of yeah. the night and expect me to get back to them yeah and, and sort of like the more power the person has the more like i feel like i need um, or at least I felt like I needed to, yeah. to respond. Um, I don't, and I don't but. know what it is, but you know, and also just for people like my boss is brilliant. I mean, she is brilliant, 
um, and her boss is brilliant and her boss's boss is the senior vice president. I mean, these women are brilliant. Um, so on the one hand, I feel honored to be working with them and to, you know, yeah, the tutelage is amazing. It's that it impacts your mood. Work addiction impacts your mood. It makes you less compassionate, less available. I, and the people around you, <clears throat> what I what made me think about it was when you said, excuse me, that the speaker that I'm working on talked about it and it sounded so much like alcoholism, you know, right. like or what you're doing actually does affect the relationship. Right. Yeah, or even it even sounded, I, I'm not to make any comparison, like it even, that how she was talking about, the speaker was talking about her husband and like how unavailable he actually was. And then the, the belief that it was only temporary and that it was definitely going to get better. And if they could just get through whatever period of, of time yeah. that he was working on, whatever, then he would be more available. Um, and of course, you know, there was always some other crisis or thing that, um, you know, he kept in the work hall. Yeah, it impacts other people. And I think if you, or for me, it's like, I've spent so much of my life working. It's an excellent way to escape yeah. one's really Absolutely. Especially so, for those of us. Yeah. Um, and I think that you would, that we were really good in school. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you know, I'm getting right. no attention at home or completely right. negative attention, you know, but at school. Right. Or the only way I'm getting attention in my family of origin is because I'm good at yeah. um, these <laughs> subjects or whatever. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I remember that I haven't done this in a long time, but I remember some weekends where I would be uh, lonely or my friends would be out of town and I would think like, oh, I'll just, I'll just work all weekend. I'll right. just do that. You know, yeah. and it was a way of coping with, um, with challenging feelings or not having to have challenging feelings. Yeah, totally. Ground and work. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Anything you kind of want to close with? I just want you to know, Megan, that your recovery has had a positive impact on people who hear you talk about WA. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, I don't know if there, I think it's, yeah, it's a challenge. It's an insidious addiction because just like food, you can't, you don't just put it down. <laughs> like yeah. you, you're still working. Yeah. Um, but I think there is hope and the program has helped me a lot. Like just even using the tools and of course, like working step one, two, two and three of admitting my powerlessness and turning that over to other people um, in the program has been really, really helpful too. So Yeah. And I also like um, uh, that you, you know, gave an example of your bottom line behaviors, just the way with abstinence, because, um, yeah. you know, it's Al-Anon, OA, WA, and SLAA. These are all addictions that, like you said, are process addictions in that and i always talk about them as relational addictions like it's not a yes no program i have to learn how to be in relationship to this thing that i want to use to completely escape myself from so i can't just say no like i'm never going to do that again because 
you know, I'm not independently wealthy, I have to work or I'm surrounded by people, I have to interact with them, you know, yeah. them, you know, so right. Um, yeah, or it's, I mean, there are also actually a number of retired people in WA. And it's because if you're a workaholic, you, you just fill up your life with other activities. <laughs> anyway, oh, like right. people join WA for for activity addiction um, too, actually. Yeah, is- it also made me think of when we were talking earlier um, in uh, ACOA, they talk about being very task oriented as a way mm-hmm. to like, you always need to be doing a task so that you can get a sense of accomplishment because that's yeah. actually your only source of self-esteem. Yep, that is one of uh, the characteristics of workaholics is that you derive all of your self-esteem from how people perceive you at work. So work and, and activity, volunteering. Yeah, activity. Stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, sweetheart. I love that you're a recovering yeah. nerd with me. I'll have to come up with another topic for you to expound on. <laughs> sure. Anytime. Anytime. Hear me talk about whatever. All right. I'm going to stop recording.